What up, TikTok? Hey, hope everybody's having a great Friday. Hey, don't let anything that's negative in your life dictate the rest of your life. Does that make sense? Hey, we all go through some hard times. We all go through some emotional stressors, maybe at work, maybe at home, whatever it may be. Don't let that dictate who you are and how you react to the rest of the things that life throws at you. Does that make sense? Like if you're feeling pissed off and angry all morning or all day, you're gonna take that energy and you're gonna present it to everybody else that surrounds you, your loved ones, your soldiers, whoever it may be. You're gonna use that negative energy and it's just gonna make everything worse. Try to be positive, pick something positive in life that's going really well, use that positive energy and let that dictate the rest of your day. We can harp on the negatives, we can harp on the bad things that are going on in life. It's not gonna help us. It's not gonna help us move forward. Stay strong, keep pushing, drive on, happy Friday. What's up Trash Talkers? Hitting you up this morning with a special promo on how to dress when you're doing PT in civilians but you want everybody to know you're an army. This comes from the Buddy Beckwith fashion design of how to work out. So first, you can notice the RI panties. Not Ranger panties, but Ranger instructor panties. The green socks, the knee brace for the old guys. Don't forget the M frames. Now the shirt, don't wear the trash talk shirt while you're running. This is just for the promo. You wanna put on like an 80 second shirt or like your favorite airborne shirt. So everybody knows that you're a veteran. That's the most important thing. And you start with this stretch. Buddy Beckwith taught me this one. Ready to go. So, I'm walking out of the gas station and my co-worker, who's an old MP, but we still claim him, uh, and he's, has engaged the man in conversation. Not much for conversation with strangers, but he's got the he's got the tab, so. As I walk by, I say airborne, and the man responds with, and I quote, Oorah. So, after I instructed my coworker to slash every single tire before he put the car in gear, I looked for the biggest rock. Uh, as I crow hopped to throw it through his back window so he can stop posing as one of us, um, I actually wake up and realize that the man's ignorance had incapacitated me for a moment and I was daydreaming. I mean, because in that moment you got two options. I chose the third option and said, incorrect, that's an incorrect response. And I kept walking, the man said nothing and he pulled away. So you tell me. What is it, a stolen valor thing? No Marine's gonna have an airborne tab, and no paratrooper's gonna say, hit an oorah. So, you tell me, stolen valor. Hey y'all, going to work. I left, babe, I left you too. On the, on the refrigerator. I love y'all, I'm gonna go. Hey, go get dressed, be ready for school. You're doing great. Now we're just chewing around, chewing along, chewing along. Shit! Bad guys! Stop! What's up, sports fans? Are you looking for a job? Do you want to change in careers? Do you want to own your own business? 
I got the answer for you. This show is brought to you by Fleet Techs. Fleet Techs is partnering with veterans with mechanical or electronic experience. Fleet Techs specializes in on-site deployment of GPS tracking equipment and cameras for fleet vehicles across our nation. Check out what they do at www.fleettechs.com. Apply today. Currently targeting veterans living in Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee. Local work and travel opportunities may be available in other areas. Fleet Techs proudly supports our military, its service members, our veterans, and their families. Enjoy the show. This is the Veteran Trash Talk Hour, hosted by Nick, Dave, Joe, and Buddy. Real warriors making fun of other real warriors. Try to not get triggered. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 100 of the Trash Talk Hour. Boom. Shout out to our sponsors, Fleet Techs. Go check them out at fleettechs.com. And last but not least, 10th Mountain Whiskey. Go check them out at 10thwhiskey.com. Type in VTT and get a discount. Special guest today is Steve. He's got all kinds of awesome stuff going on, and we're going to talk about that here shortly. And today I'm joined by Nick, Buddy, and JC. What's up, everybody? What's going on? How are you? What's going on, man? This How's everybody is, this, doing today? This is number 100, bro. Hey, right. just don't forget, tomorrow's September 11th. Yeah, we got a we got a big uh, special with that. We'll, we can talk about it later, but yeah. we'll, we'll say it now. But uh, we got two guys that were in the Pentagon when they got hit by the plane, yeah. and uh, they're coming on and talking their stories. One of them tried to complete suicide. Thank God he didn't. Uh, you know him as the mental health warrior uh, VTT. So Shout out to Clifford Bauman, yeah. yeah, he's gonna come on and talk about you know pulling bodies out of there and all that kind of stuff. So it's gonna be a he. They asked us for it again. He asked us if he could, if we could help him get through the day. And just, uh, you know, put him on the show because he's realized how awesome it is to come out here and talk about it. So, you know, it's going to help him get through the day. So it's going to be going to be pretty cool. Spot on, man. That's good stuff. All right. Well, Buddy's favorite portion of the show. We're going to kickstart it with a quick uh, conspiracy. I'm sure Buddy already has a pin out and a piece of paper so he can just like tear it apart immediately. It's not like... I <laughs> Is that for your AAR? Are you doing the AAR today, buddy? Or is that oh, just uh, for the I conspiracy? Mean, I'm going to, I'm just, I have to keep up with whatever the hell, like, 20, whatever the hell I Googled, right? Have. Okay. Uh, I want to make, I want to make it very clear that I don't believe in 80% of these conspiracies that I talk about. I just Google them and then I find someone, you know, some of them are kind of interesting, like the one I'm about to talk about. All right. So let's get right into it. So today I'm going to talk about the monkey man of New Delhi. Okay. The monkey so apparently. Man. Yeah. So you so should, hey, look not, at your phone. This guy is legit. Dude. It's <laughs> legit. There's yeah. all kinds of articles about it. So I took a couple <laughs> notes for Buddy. Um, so between 2000 and 2001, this monkey man was supposedly terrorizing New Delhi. Okay. Uh, he's about four foot tall. He wore a helmet, had metal claws, and apparently three buttons on his chest. Okay. So like maybe even like a robot, monkey, I don't know. Three people died because of him, okay? They jumped off of buildings when he, when they were being chased by this monkey man, and people witnessed it, apparently. Uh, thousands of others were attacked by this monkey man as well. Uh, a lot of victims had visible scars, scratches on their faces, arms and legs. Um, it was all over the news, okay? The police actually put out a bounty for this monkey man, all right, $1,000. Um, 
what right. ruble or whatever they use over Rupee. there, Ruben or what, yeah, Rupee, yeah. I thought, I thought and, you were uh, cultured. There were patrols. Right. Yeah, I'm not cultured in India, yeah. Yeah. but uh, there were patrols <laughs> that were going around in the city and everything, and it just became this big hype. It was in the newspaper. It was in the news. Uh, they never caught him, and uh, it's still talked about today, 19 years later. So um, no clue, you know, Bigfoot, maybe it was like a monkey that was going there and attacking people. I don't know about the whole metal helmet and stuff, because monkey attacks do happen frequently in India, okay, if you research it. But the thing is, with the monkey attacks that do frequently happen, the monkeys are usually biting their victims. All these victims had, like, scratches on their arms and on their face and everything. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a regular monkey. So I don't really know if there's any truth to this. Maybe it was hype. Maybe it was some dude dressed up in a, you know, monkey suit wearing his fucking helmet and attacking people. Or it really was like some crazy monkey man, you know, Bigfoot style, chupacabra. The, the, the actual, the actual um, missing link. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Nick. I don't know. So, Steve. Yes. I'm going to let you go first and you can give us your take. Is the monkey man real? Is this a bunch of bullshit or what was going on between 2000 and 2001 in New Delhi, India? <laughs> so I almost want to start off with a bit of a caveat. Oh, big words. Already, caveat. Behoove, wow. Everybody listening to this shit. We are all <laughs> listening. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's like a disclaimer, JC. So the caveat is essentially <laughs> that. Five years ago, if we thought there'd be a Joe Rogan podcast about UFOs, we would have been like, yeah, okay. And if we thought we'd see videos. So as far as the conspiracy thing where I would draw a hard line years ago on this, I'm not going to do it because it just seems that the more ridiculous things get, the more likely they are to become true. So I really Ooh, don't I love that, that. Right. I like that. Okay. So 3,500 police were mobilized in search of this. Right. So there had to be something going on. Um, flaming eyes for some reason seems reasonable to me. Right. It's reported to have flaming eyes. <laughs> um, helmet <laughs> seems like a good idea for terrorizing. So I think we have a higher order of intellect for yeah, this yeah. monkey assailant. Um, and there were over a thousand attacks reported. Um, if it was 10 years ago, I would deny it outright because there'd be video. Someone would have caught it on his cell phone, but it's still in yeah, that video phone, yeah. window. Um, but I draw the line at the three button jacket. I can't, I do not believe I would think he'd wear a sport coat, more of a two button with an athletic taper kind yeah. of thing, not a three button. It seems too formal for, uh, any, he's gotta be able to jump like from building to building and stuff. Right. It would so, tear. Yeah. I would imagine he was yeah. lat dominant posterior chain yeah. dominant. It would tear. It just doesn't seem reasonable to me. So I'm going to give it like a 60, 40 split 60. Yes. Uh, 40 no solely because of the three button jacket part i think this was the best explanation ever i really enjoyed that one okay yeah. well, that was well good. my that question was what if it, what if what if the three button jacket was the fist can shoot maybe it was a cardigan you know what i mean some type of sweater situation I, what time of the year a lot more movement you know what yeah, I mean? It, 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 it's hot in india in some places it's no, I'm thinking, you're a monkey i'm thinking it's a it's a mattress i i'm thinking it's a mattress sport coat and and I would have gone I would have gone with the sixty forty as well, but I got to be honest with you I think I'm I'm lowering it because of because of the roller skates, the roller skate part. Oh oh yeah, I raised I, it for that. I didn't see that. No, I, I, I didn't see it. the roller skate portion. Uh oh, I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing research and and it's the roller skates that that 
you know, that's that's tough, especially with monkey feet, right? I mean, roller skates, monkey feet. So I'm, I'm going to bring it. I, I, I agree. I think the sports coat, it's probably two button. And I think it's probably Madras. But but the roller skates just seem to, I don't know, that hurts it for me. That, that really... Have you ever seen that video on YouTube? Joe Rogan showed it on his podcast where this little monkey on roller skates rolls up and tries to snatch up this baby. You get look it up. Was it's like a thing. <laughs> was that the monkey man? There's this little kid sitting on this ledge. Like you can YouTube it right now if you want to. And this little monkey on roller skates comes fucking flying up, snatches the fucking kid, and tries to drag him away. The monkey man. No, yeah, not tall. Oh, no, no, he, he, he wasn't tall. He wasn't tall no, enough. He didn't have a helmet. No, no, yeah, no sport coat. Yeah. yeah. So, Joe Rogan showed it on his podcast. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> when was that, that video taken? Because maybe, maybe the monkey man somehow, he turned his, his sports coat into the cleaners. They lost it. His well, helmet fell off at it? some point. And he just said, he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't have a helmet. I don't have my jacket. I'm just going to chill. And then finally he got the he got that itch. He was like, I got to go fuck something up. So you know what? roller skates increased the likelihood for me because it just shows he was responsible. If you're going to be wearing roller skates, you're going to accompany that with a helmet. Well, and I'm, to answer I'm, your cardigan, <laughs> to answer the cardigan question, I'd want to know what time of year, if it was, and I would expect it was any time of the year in India cardigan weather. Maybe up well, it was. It was definitely so, Steve. Uh, Steve, according to reports, it was yeah. obviously it's pretty hot over there, and all the victims that were attacked, a lot of them were on their roof sleeping. Okay, because they would turn off the power at night, so they didn't have AC in their houses. So now they're sleeping on the roofs. You know, like we've obviously seen. Right. Uh, in Iraq, wherever. Um, so they were attacking okay. the roofs because it was super hot. So I don't know about the jacket. Maybe I would have been too hot for him because they, they say he had all kinds of fur and like big. I mean, you look at the picture that we okay. posted. Okay, okay, hold on. Now have we have we know. thought about how marginalized are little people in India at this point? Yeah, what you know caste? What, I mean? what caste system are midgets in? Oh, little people, guy. Come on. No, come I on. can say midgets. No, you can't. No, I've said a lot no. worse on this show. I know you, you have, have, but you can't yeah. say midget. So, Way now, to get 100, uh, episode so 100 taken down. Say, <laughs> what, I, what I would say right. is possibly, Yeah, but like, isn't there seven systems got, in the cast system? I think they're probably, they got to be six or seven. What if you've got, it's like a super, first of all, he's already marginalized because he's shorter than than normal. Secondly, yeah, he's hairy, average. So he's even more, you know, looked at. So maybe he just turned to a life of crime. There's so many, now he's, there's so now many he's robbing people, and then when he goes by, he's got a pedicure. But Gael, he nails him as he jumps off the roof and skates away with his helmet and cardigan and or there's sports coat. So many conflicting reports on his size, though. It's anywhere from four six to five six to eight that. feet tall. To eight feet yeah. tall. Ooh, so yeah. that's not a monkey yeah, man. I'll that see. is a gorilla man. That's an actual yeah. Sasquatch. I will retract my my roller skate comment because if you if you Google monkey on roller skates, there's a million of them. So yeah. I so they can do it. And, yeah. You know, yep. the jacket. The jacket would be unless he had a fanny pack. Where is he going to put his stuff when he's skating? Like the jacket. Well, he's, he's tail. He just holds it with his tail. Correct. All right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. So we got we got Steve's take. I think we got yeah. JC gave us his take, buddy. You're you still yes or no? I mean, I, you talk about the I jacket with, and stuff, uh, but I, I've got to I've got to actually agree. And, you know, I at first I thought this was all just you know kind of insane and and, and to be honest, a little dumb. <laughs> but then yeah. after Steve and JC gave theirs, well now I'm I'm now you believe you it. Got me. You got it. That's me. how easy. I'm yeah. at sixty forty. Also, yeah. I might even 
55, 45. I don't even know. Appreciate that. So, okay. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I'm, Nick, I'm gonna, what I'm say go, you? I'm going to go with uh, 100% somebody like this did it, but I'm not going to go as a monkey man. All right. I'm going to kind of put every piece everything together here where you had a, a small person, buddy, right? Okay. Tiny. Uh, a, tiny, tiny a little a little person who was in the cast system, right? And you oh. know, and he didn't like where he was. So yeah. it kind of like you know how Freddy Krueger went, you know, in kids' dreams and killed, you know, all these people because of you know how he was treated in life. But I think this this little man, all right, dressed up in disguise and let's not misgender him. Okay. Maybe right. could be a girl person. Right, little person, little, little person. person, and he he was terrorizing whatever city he was in New Delhi. You said right, and then yeah. uh, you know if As you, if you, to old Delhi, if you actually do real is. research in this, like <laughs> if you do real research, you know, like peer reviewed, which uh, is obviously Indiana Jones, you know, yeah. and you noticed in the Temple of Doom that they eat monkeys' heads. Yeah, so they do, they do I, I, in New Delhi. So obviously the helmet was because they attempted to eat his brain. Ooh, and what if they did eat part of his brain? Might might be That's might explain the, the abnormal hair growth, right? It just you know something like that in strength. Uh, could be yeah. some kind of experiment that went wrong. But I think he went around terrorizing the town and the town in an attempt to cover up what they did to this poor uh, person. We don't know if it was a guy yeah, seeking revenge. He was so, seeking right. revenge. Yeah. So they just made some kind of crazy story about a monkey man but it's actually a, a half-eaten brained midget running around with overgrown little hair come on, little person come on. that's intense people that's not, i'm gonna go with that i'm gonna go 100 not really a monkey man but 100 happened with somebody who looked okay. like that Damn. okay well i think that's it i think we got some good takes on that and there is a one hour episode on the history channel about this guy so uh, <laughs> go ahead and watch no it if you're interested does, does it have the guy? if you're watching you know we, we could always use some new sponsors but uh yeah, yeah history channel you can sponsor us we bring out we bring yep. the real research yep. to you yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely we all just made everything up but that was good um anyhow buddy i think you're up right no he's not it's jc no, he's not i'm not at, oh, yeah. oh jc's doing it you didn't read, right. you didn't read, you didn't read the script i didn't read the script no. and i was like oh wait no i'm not i'm not in there that's right. Yeah, so, so JC, JC isn't like we tried to make fun of him last time. He didn't show up, and it's like he's an extremely overpaid public speaker. So, if if we give him like at least like three to five minutes here, it's got to be gold. So, no pressure. This is <laughs> technically this is worth about like four hundred bucks. So, in three to five minutes. A little bit more than that, actually. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Should we uh, bow? Yeah, don't make eye contact with him when he talks. Look, yeah. I, I got, you notice how he has his camera low so that, yeah. that you're looking up to him. Yeah. Just, yeah, I got you. I got to college too, so it's not a huge deal. I'm just going to go ahead and mute my mic. Wow. All right. Um, so I actually, I actually had a thought over the week, and I did want to share it across uh, – so I think that there's so much pressure out there, you know, and, and you hear it from kids and I, I think it's all over social media. I'm not really on social media anymore about living a life of purpose and like thinking about some grandiose purpose for our lives. Like, are you living your purpose? Are you living your purpose as veterans transition? You know, oh, I got to figure out my new purpose. I got to. And we're looking at it wrong. We're looking at it wrong. 
what we're looking at, what we need to do is we need to find purpose in every single moment of every single day. And our purpose can be talking to somebody, opening the door for somebody, you know, being on, talking, watching this to right now, people that are watching this. We have to be, you know, we have to be comfortable finding purpose in every small moment, as opposed to looking at this big, grandiose, what's my purpose? And I think it's especially hard for military folks who have, who have spent a lifetime of purpose and, 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 and a very clear purpose. But if you really break it down and you analyze what we did, we, we had a purpose in every single moment, right? Whether it was on target or off target, we had a purpose, whether it was helping a soldier, you know, doing, doing, God, doing God's work, whatever it was, we had a purpose in every single moment. And then all those, all those moments created a larger purpose. So if we stop worrying about what our larger purpose is, and we focus on every single moment, what's our purpose in this moment right now? What's my purpose when I sit with my wife? What's my purpose when I'm sitting across from uh, Earl there at dinner? And, and we focus on those purposes, I think we're a lot happier. And I think it's, and I think it's manageable, right? I think then we start to go, ah, so this is my larger purpose because all of those purposes to get combined create a larger purpose. So JC, are, are you saying that it could be possible to not even know your purpose at the moment that your purpose is happening? Absolutely. Like some, some type of butterfly effect of purpose? Purpose I? Purpose? Purpose? Yeah. Purpose. Absolutely. Um, I think that it's really important that we try to that we try to find our purpose in every moment. And and look, our purpose is going to change. Sometimes I'm doing X, and sometimes I'm doing Y. If if I'm always the same, if my purpose is always the same, well, then I'm probably done when that purpose is over. And that's not how the world works, right? My purpose changes. My purpose adapts. I adapt. So yeah, I think I think that's correct. Yeah, that kind of goes along the lines of, you know, what we've talked about a lot in the first, like, you know, 20 episodes when we started this show was, you know, don't, yeah, you're a veteran, but that that doesn't define you, right? That doesn't, that's not, that doesn't mean that's all that you are, right? And, oh, I got, I got diagnosed with PTSD and, uh, like I said, uh, you know, some people don't like Dr. Gade because of his, uh, you know, political views, but, you know, his book, you know, Wounding Warriors, and, you know, he talks about, you know, we pretty much just coach all these guys to just start feeling sorry for themselves. That they, that, oh, you're, you're, yep. you're, you're 70% disabled because of PTSD, right? Like, what, what does that mean? What about PTSD? What, what specifically about it? You know, and so once you start going down that train of now using that as a crutch for every time you make a mistake, you know, it's like, you're just gonna. You're, eventually, you're not gonna see the difference. You're not gonna know what your purpose is in the moment because you already have the excuse lined up. Yep. And you're going into full blown victim mentality, and then just everything is because of that, you know, and blaming everything. Yeah, I think your purpose. I think your. Anyway. I think your purpose should always be, and I, I say this to a lot of people. I think your purpose should always be: you gotta love yourself first. Like I, I know I it sounds no like you know. You, you, like you got to take care of yourself first because if you don't take care of yourself, like, I mean, all the shit's going to come, it's going to spiral downward, you know, and, and 
way too often do we want to focus on taking care of everybody else around us, especially in the military, you know, like you focus on work, you focus on your soldiers. And then like, we forget about our home life and everything. And then even when you get out, maybe you're trying to take care of other people, but you don't focus on yourself. And if you're not taking care of yourself first and loving yourself first, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a recipe. I'm trying to love myself master, at least one you know? day. <laughs> yeah. Try to, try to. You're a pretty nice guy, buddy. I love Incre you too. It increases the you know? testosterone. Um, no, there's, there's yeah. mixed, there's mixed studies behind that. You know, mm -hmm. just, Justin Berlander abstains before pitching, just saying. So you might want to, uh, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't pitch though. <laughs> I'll back up what JC said though. I think it's uh, JC and I have had conversations about this too. Um, and my verbiage is, of course, not as good as his, but uh, we talk about being less heroic in the things that you do, right? Uh, mm -hmm. you, know, you talk to somebody and like, oh, I'm, you know, going to run a marathon. Oh, what was your 10K time last year? What was your 5K time? Oh, I never ran one. Like we do these grandiose things of like trying to move the needle in these extraordinary ways. I'm going to run an ultra. And I'm just saying this in terms of like marathoning, but it's never just like, well, I'm going to try to have a decent weekend with my family, right? I'm going to do something simple a lot of times. And it's always these grandiose things. And the other piece of it that strikes a chord with me with everything that you're saying is, you know, we need to start drawing a line between what you did and who you are, all right? So, and the reason why I say that is, and you see it in healthcare, you see it in all these professions where, because what happens is when you identify yourself with your job and whether it's a, as a special operations person or a soldier or a police officer, fire person, nurse, whatever it is, you know, if you're identifying with who you are, and this is researched, if you're identifying who you are by your occupation, well, then when you make a mistake, you no longer had a bad day at work. You're bad at life. And I believe that it's that crossover that gives a lot of difficulty in the world, right? You have a bad deployment. You made a bad call. You had a bad leadership decision, whatever it is. And we need to start separating the occupation from the person or the diagnosis from the person. And we need to stop having these extraordinary labels that are trying to encapsulate the, com you know, the complexity of a person. I don't know. It's just, I think it's a recipe for disaster. No, I, I, yeah, I agree. And to put that into, uh, you know, I guess even more, you know, contextual terms uh, is like, like JC said, the bigger purpose, stop worrying so much about the bigger purpose. Yeah. Right. Like that should, the bigger purpose of what you want to do, you know, in a long-term goal should already be set. So like, you can start planning things to get to that long-term purpose, you know, to get to there. And uh, yeah, that obviously if it's, if it's a short-term goal, then you, know, you got to have, you got to have some other ones. But I, I think I like look at it like marriage wise. And I just had a discussion with my shrink about this and she, she loves it when I call her a shrink, but uh, the, my, my shrink was uh, talk. We you know, it's a little bit personal, but we were talking about some, you know, marital issues. Right. And there were, I always say sometimes like whenever there's, you know, angst or anxiety or tension in a, in a marriage, we, we start to talk about, you know, things that are outside of the moment. And I, I look, I looked at it this way and I know I've, I've been guilty of this a couple of times in the past month, actually, where I'm sitting there, like you said, if I'm here, if I'm sitting at JC said, I'm sitting with my wife, what's my purpose right now? Right. Is my purpose right now to fuck, to poke the bear as fucking hard as I can and start some shit? Like, is that what I originally sat down next to my wife for? Maybe it was, you know, like, but, but like, I, no, it wasn't. 
right? And it's like you sit there and you just lose focus of what your purpose is in that moment right there. Right. And then, and then, you know, maybe you become an asshole. Maybe she becomes an asshole and like, whatever, you know, everybody's guilty of it. So yeah, I, I like to look at it that way to, I thought, I just love that reference with like, Hey, well, if I'm sitting with anybody, but my spouse or whatever, what's my purpose right now? Yeah. Like, what am I going to, what am I going to, and then like uh, Steve said before the show, you know, I think I never think more than 30 minutes ahead, you know, and it's like, it's, it's, you know, like, what am I going to do in the next 30 minutes to set up the next 30 minutes? Right. Is it, am I going to, am I going to start spiraling down a roller coaster? But yeah, that's a uh, pretty solid. Anybody got anybody, anything else on what JC said? All right. Good, man. Man. I guess we can, I can, we can roll right along. Uh, and, and again, hundredth episode. All right. This is awesome. You know, Joe, Joe, who's no longer does the Saturday shows with us. Uh, we miss him, but uh, he's uh, working with our sponsor fleet text that you saw in the beginning. Uh, so oh, again, yeah. if, you're look, if you're looking for a job, he, he all he wants to do is hire veterans, and it's potential six figure, you know, uh, work. But you got to work, like you got it, it. It it's not it's not hard labor, but it's 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 hours. So uh, if you if you want to get off your butt and make some money, uh, go to fleettext.com and uh, Ryan will help you out. But you know that's kind of what that's Joe and I started Veteran Trash Talk. Brought uh, Buddy on, brought Dave on, uh, brought Chris on. You know, Muffin Fingers in the background who screwed up earlier today in case you're watching, but um, we won't hold that against We him. love you, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Chris's so, mom is watching again, yeah, too. We yeah, love you, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we, we started it to help ourselves. And we, we started it to, you know, to have our own little BS session. And that's kind of like where this, I'm kind of given the, the whole, in the last hundred episodes, two years worth of episodes is, you know, now we do a conspiracy theory because you think about it when you're in the army and the barracks talks or the platoon office talks, well, you always talked about the most weird shit, right? Yeah, like, some of those we probably like, not like, talk about on air. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the, you know, you're in the guard tower and you know, you're with your buddy. Yeah. And like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, you're talking about some of the, the most random weird shit ever. We so talked about some crazy shit, Nick, at the yeah. front gate in Samara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, cause we didn't think you'd make it out of there, especially the front gate. Yeah. Cause it was just waiting for the next truck to blow up. But um, it was just yeah. like, uh, you know, that type of camaraderie that that this community has built and this is where i want to hit the people watching and those of you who are watching later is yeah we created it but your guys are the ones that built it all right uh you're the ones that built what we have now because you saw what we were getting for ourselves so it was a personal thing turned into a community thing and now we have this community. We think it's awesome. Uh, we know it's awesome. We know it's already saved lives. And JC reached out to me uh, a month ago, a month and a half ago, and said, "Hey, you need to get this guy Steve Forty on." Uh, and and he and he linked us up on uh, LinkedIn. Linked us up on LinkedIn. Hey, we'll take a sponsor LinkedIn if you want. Uh, but he he linked us up on LinkedIn. And like I was, I've been trying to get a, a bio on this guy, right? To like like so I could like you know do an event for the show, you know, maybe put some money into advertising for it, you know, and, 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 and get it going. But no, it, uh, it, it, this guy's so busy, right, uh, that he he could not get it to us. And uh, I agree when you look at his resume and what he's doing and what and what he's in charge of. But the most the thing that caught my eye, which, again, buddy, this, uh, this is not going to really look good for you, is he is associated with Yale, all right, which which also makes him associated with me seeing as I go to the Yale, the Southwest, right? And which is UTEP. 
and and Buddy goes to the Harvard <laughs> of the Southeast, which is Austin hey, P. So, you mean, did, did he go to the, to the uh, old Yale or the new Yale in the uh, Southwest? I think it was. I think it was a satellite. Uh, not quite uh-huh. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he'll uh-huh. get into it. But uh, Steve is a perfect guest for our hundredth episode because he has he has he does work for nonprofits. He does work for profit, uh, and he. But all of it is centered around resilience, and you know caring for people and and caring for veterans so steve welcome to the trash talk hour you experienced a little bit of the dumpster fire uh sometimes it gets a little not bit today cool. that was pretty yeah. that pretty, was pretty, pretty chill, pretty, pretty pretty chill. Yeah. well that's because pretty we let the yale guy talk first and he got all smart so that we couldn't be smart asses yeah. like we had to be like well we got to start sound fucking smart too like it's like you got this guy from <laughs> yale talking but uh no uh steve welcome to the show uh welcome to the trash talk hour tell us a little bit about your service what you got going on and uh just yeah, yeah. Transitioning from you know duty to the the afterlife of being a, a a more beneficial person to society. Well, thank you and thank you for having me. Uh, you know, when I first heard about the show and I looked at the guests, I was like, "What the hell are they having me on for?" You're like you're <laughs> looking, and then I realized they probably weren't looking for like a badass warrior on the show to mix it up a bit. Uh, so I appreciate <laughs> you having me on. Imposter <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> so I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, uh, you know, I had a weird career. I was a guard SF guy out of Rhode Island. And, uh, you know, throughout that time, I was able to jump on and off, uh, you know, active duty in, in different schools along the way, picking up a decent amount of education and a different, a decent amount of different life experience, which has brought me to an interesting point, you know, where I am right now uh, in my life. I'm in one of the breaks of service, I actually went to Quinnipiac University and I became a critical care nurse. And then I did a, a residency at Yale New Haven Hospital System where I got to do critical care. And when I worked uh, from there, I went and I worked in uh, level one trauma centers. Level one's the, you know, the gunshot clubs. And I worked at level one trauma center at Bridgeport and uh, got to witness that. And you got to see the, the toll the world was taking on society, right? And you got to see what problems faced individuals from those demographics, which was a very, very low income demographic. And then to make a little more money because I wasn't paid well, particularly, um, I worked at Greenwich Hospital's emergency room. And Greenwich is one of the most affluent communities in the world. And you got to see, you know, the similarity of problems across all the, the, the spectrums. Um, but one of the things that was interesting is when I, you know, came off, um, deploying in, uh, 2009 and then again in 2011, and I, I did some, some, some work and then tried to transition on the civilian side, I got to see a few things. One was the profound ignorance of individuals and not even mal, malintention, just the complete ignorance about veterans. You talked about the post-traumatic stress thing, right? I worked for a very large company that involved going and doing consulting in ORs. And my boss, the minute we walked through the door on the first day, he stops and looks at me and he goes, Hey man, I just got to ask, you know, when you see blood, are you going to like freak out and kill everybody in the room? Yes. That was my response. I said, I said, I said probably. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. New Somebody territory. If you're a God, you say yes. Yeah. New, new yeah. territory. Um, and I was heartbroken by the comment. You know what I mean? Like it was dumb. I was dumbfounded that this fairly educated individual had that thought about it, you know? So 
it was hard to be in that position for a while while you were transitioning. And I had that sine wave, right, of like depression and anxiety. And then what am I doing in the world? And I thought I would have accomplished so much more and I'm not doing enough. I never thought I'd be here. And, um, you know, we find ways through that. But it wasn't until I got where I am right now at HSS where they really embrace the idea of a veteran and embrace the experiences that you have to bring a different dynamic to the environment. So, um, yeah, I am able uh, in a position to take part in a few different charities. One of is uh, Pivot Ministries, which is a faith-based drug and alcohol rehab. We keep 50 people sober every year, which is one of the, uh, we talk about the not heroic thing. When they first asked me to be board president, I was like, ah, if I'm going to donate time, it needs to be more grandiose than that. It needs to be bigger. And then when I started doing it, I was like, holy shit, I don't have time for this. This is a huge lift, you know? Um, so I, I get to not have to, I get to participate in the world on that level and help keep 50 people sober. I'm seven years myself. I don't consume anything. Um, and then at HSS, you know, I get to play a role as part of the executive leadership where I get to try to decrease the load and mitigate some of the things that we see rip through our community that are now sort of geared towards healthcare, uh, before COVID, but certainly exacerbated by COVID. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here with you all, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to play a role in your 100th episode. Grateful. Um, I, I love that, Steve. I, can I go ahead, Nick, or whatever? No, go ahead, I was going to rewind real quick. I was going to, obviously, we all, you know, we're really focused on the PTS. I don't like calling it PTSD. I've done it in the past, but, you know, PTSD, PTSD or PTS, so we're going to stick with PTS. We talk about that a lot, and, you know, you said you deployed and everything, and then you were obviously working in some of these facilities where you're seeing a lot of shit. Yeah. You know, how did that, how did that affect you? Did it, did it, did it, yeah. you know, cause a little bit more stress? Cause we don't, we don't give nurses enough love. We don't give, you know, fire department, like all these individuals that are dealing with this on a daily, we don't give them enough love because they're going through the same shit, yeah. you know, every day. But now for somebody who's been deployed and who's experienced stuff, you know, I've, 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 I've experienced a car crash. My neighbor, you know, got hit, shout out to to Joel, he got hit and he lost both his legs. And I was the first one on the scene, you know, and everybody that came out, they were like, holy shit, you know, what happened here? And they're fucked up. But for me, it was like just an everyday thing. Like we saw crazy stuff when we were deployed. So I was kind of like, I don't know what the right term is, but I just, it was like, what I, you know, it sucks. I had feelings You were also on the it, positive you know? side. You were yeah. ready to react yeah. to it. Yeah, I was, I was. You remember when that happened, Nick? That was like in yeah. 2009, I think, or, you know, yeah, that was horrible, brutal. horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it didn't really affect me anymore. And actually, I guess part of me wants to say my my experiences deployed helped me deal with what I was what I witnessed there. You know, so I don't know if you could translate or, yes, or yeah. just talk about like, yeah. And the word I think that is appropriate for it is inoculated, right? Like you were a little bit inoculated to the idea of trauma, inoculated to blood, yeah. like a certain familiarity that you've been here before. All right, right. And as right. a matter of fact, if you look at the research of post-traumatic stress okay in some cases yes but overwhelmingly all right it's not combat it really is it doesn't even correlate to the amount of combat you've experienced or the intensity of it doesn't really even correlate to who you may have lost or not lost um 
when we talk about it in that context, they actually find a lot more similarities in things like boredom or a deployment that didn't seem to be valuable or missing holidays and birthdays as a waste of time or moral Life injury. Event, right. yeah. yeah, so we find that. Now, the same thing happens in medicine, right? And I would imagine the same things are happening for police officers right now. Um, I absolutely have an element of post-traumatic stress, without a doubt. Um, had it before I went in the military. And uh, two nursing experiences brought me there. One, a uh, infant immersion injury abuse, where a child was intentionally scalded, right? And I cried in a parking lot for two hours when I was trying to figure out what the hell made me choose this career. Fuck. And no support, like no, you know, like literally no support where you're like turning to and no one that could understand that thing but Bridgeport Hospital was a burn unit at a pediatric burn unit so this child was brought there and I think I had two weeks on the job at that point right and that was horrific and then there was another time at Greenwich Hospital where a freak accident and a engaged lawnmower rolled over a six-year-old's legs now that worked out okay but there I was in this out of context environment of Greenwich Okay, it wasn't Bridgeport where you had residents and nurses and anesthetists and 150 years of experience to help you through a code or a gunshot or a trauma. You literally were there in this sort of utopian high income environment. They have a player piano in the in the lobby. And that's where the child was brought in, wrapped in a jacket. And the father threw her at me and said, this is really bad. I need your help. Right. So sorry. So to go from there in that context and be untangling arteries and clamping them, but still having some sense of what you were doing, there was no trauma room in Greenwich. It was a room. And it wasn't like it was at Bridgeport where you had this incredible backup. So the difficulty I experienced with those out of context environments, like the lawnmower thing, you know, showed me early that the further you are out of your support and your technical comfort zone, the more likely you are to struggle with whatever it is experience. And that's why the preparation piece and the self-care that you mentioned is so critically important, right? Responding to a tragedy yeah. during it is not the time to respond to it. It's a proactive right. thing that helps us through these moments. Yeah, and I, I, I've shared, you know, the stories before on the show about, you know, my PTSD, that like my my biggest problem that I personally suffer with, yeah, it was in a combat situation, but it had nothing to do with an enemy combatant or anything like that. It was it was a kid, you know, and it was just like, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it, 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 it's hard to, you know, you're never going to forget it. So why, why try, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, why even try to forget it? Why not, why not use it? And that's what I was going to segue into another a, a question for you when you when you read your resume but before that oh, sorry before that how do people get to the nonprofit that you sit on the board of what's it called again pivot ministries but honestly well let's leave this i'd rather us focus on the veteran piece right 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 okay. now like children of fallen patriots are my brothers and they do college education for kids whose parents died in combat nice. and i support it at every single turn that i possibly can and promote it at every single turn that so I so similar to like gold star yeah. yeah, and then, yeah. You know, the Gold Star yeah. Team Adventures, uh, we partner with them uh, unofficially, but, uh, you know, we send them a pretty good chunk of money every year. But how, how when, when I look at, like I said, when I look at your resume and I see that you're, you know, in charge of the resiliency, resilience program and wellness program for a major corporation, right? Huge hospital, yeah. Yeah, huge hospital. So 
how did how did these these things that happened in your life obviously we we probably can we know the answer but out of your words how did they make you a a stronger person to take on this role and then be more productive yeah um i would say because i fell right so from the time i was a kid you know i lost my dad around 18 or 19 lost my mother to a alcohol overdose he died of cancer from agent orange right and i handled that thing poorly like i wasn't there i wasn't present i wasn't anything i lost my mom seven or eight years later to an acute alcohol event all right handled that better and tried to address it then all right we have these difficulties and failures within our lives but it certainly was a sine wave of different moments of strength and different moments of weakness and vulnerability, et cetera. But I think what happened is, you know, throughout my life, I've chosen professions of service. Um, and I was a pretty talented athlete. I think I was pretty durable, but I saw people that were more talented and more durable than I get broken by it. Okay. Um, Named Brandon Floyd, a lot of people, a lot of the listeners will know back was a friend slash acquaintance back uh, in the day and a tragic story just post 9-11 that had happened with him. And I, it, it struck a chord with me if it's like if someone like him can fall or someone like JC can fall or so many of these people we know, right, I'm not who these people are. So it began to shape me to take an incredibly proactive and academic approach to my own well-being, right? The sobriety for me came from sleep's critical to inoculating yourself to these things and responding and being present and being a good partner and when i drink it interferes with my sleep so i denied it for a bit but alcohol was not a good part of the equation for me to where i get where i needed to get where i had to go maybe it's not that way for everybody but i knew for me it wasn't working and as i began to approach these different strategies it sort of got me to a very solid point where I was having success personally and professionally. And then COVID happened. And a friend that I had done some consulting work with reached out and he said, listen, we're turning HSS, the hospital for special surgery into a COVID treatment facility. We're not going to stand on the sidelines and we don't know what we're going to ask you to do, but whatever it is, we think we might be better off if you're with us. And they hired us for hired me for 90 day contract. And, um, Really, on the front lines and the epicenter of COVID, I wasn't on the front lines, but HSS and the nurses and doctors were. Um, but I was there to offer, you know, support to them. And sometimes it was a matter of just saying, like, it's going to be all right, whatever you need. I've got your back. We got this. Or even demonstrating going into the rooms, whatever it was. Um, but all these life experiences brought to a place where I was able to translate a lot of lessons learned in the military in terms of resilience and then bring those to the healthcare environment or bring there bring this to the sobriety world or the recovery world. I know that was long-winded as hell. No, no, that was good. That was good. I thought oh. JC was loading up to say something. So I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna get in there. Um no, I, I look, but I but I also wanna it, it goes a little bit kind of against what we've talked about, but but I will say that and 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 you know Nick's Nick's alluded to this, but one of the things that is just so, you know, I, I call, as I said, I called Steve a unicorn. You know, my wife was describing him to somebody the other day, and we just refer to him as the unicorn because he's this guy who is exactly who you want with you 
going through a door, but he's also exactly the guy you want with you in a hospital room. And he's also exactly the guy you want with you across the dinner table. Like he, and he's the guy you like, like, I can't think of a time when I don't want Steve there. That said, the one thing that, that strikes me about Steve is Steve is consistently giving of himself and he, and, and he puts, I, I know that he takes care of himself, but every appearance from the outside is he puts everyone ahead of himself. He has this beautiful family. You know, I thought I had good kids. His kids, I, I thought they were like Stepford wives. Like I thought they were like robots. <laughs> They're so perfect. I mean, you come Very into nice. a house like reading and doing Legos. And I'm like, well, excuse me, would you like to play Lego? Like, oh, you're just like, come on, where are the strings? Where's where where's the batteries? They're amazing. <laughs> His wife is just such this real person. And and everything he does is for others. And and he's and he's empathetic and he's intuitive. And you know, we met kind of a a tough time uh that I was going through years ago. And we like he saw it. He was actually interviewing me to give us do a speech, and within a minute he goes you're not in a great place right now. I'm like, holy shit, how does that guy, how does he know that? And since that moment, he has done, every every time I've seen him do anything, it is for others. And I think that's, like, that's really important because I do think that that's something that a lot of, a lot of veterans can take, you know, I think it helps him. I think that when he's helping others, it helps him. Um, Will be mechanism, yeah. Sure. And, and and I yeah. think and I think that it, I think that he does find those little bits of purpose in every single moment, and he's he is absolutely one hundred and ten percent present in every moment I've ever seen. Well, I I appreciate all the the kind words. And Steve, a, you are a unicorn. Listen, uh, I mean, <laughs> I've had a lot of great friends and mentors that have shown me the way. You know, I do know this. We didn't join the military because we're sort of self-centered, right? I mean, at least most of us had this higher. But he did. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad he did. He's kind of a badass. He's got a lot of schools and shit. So yeah, he came. Uh, I thought I thought when I joined the uh, joined the army, I would get a cool hat in the 82nd, and then like all the ladies would flock, and I was like, oh wait, everybody's everybody's got this hat. I it's all, it's all dudes. <laughs> Yeah. The only people that are even impressed slightly are guys. It's like, oh. Somebody asked me why how it was I made a horrible it miscalculation. <laughs> Somebody asked me how I made it through selection. I said it was because I lacked the courage to quit. Yeah. I, yeah exactly. walls. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, this seems like a terrible idea, but I'm already ahead and I'm not gonna quit this. Um I it's been good for me because one of the things is, you know, um we aspire to have some self, you know, some service. And we talk about this, right? So let's look at this from another way, right? Is there anything worse than when the military employed your time in a meaningless way? When it was wasted, when you could have been present with girlfriends, families, when it shredded- Child being born. Right? And when you think yeah. about these things, it, dro it drove me insane. It was what I struggled with. I've spent more time in counseling, discussing how when I got back from Afghanistan in 2009, and I was going to meet my- now wife, then girlfriend in Indianapolis. We deployed through Camp Atterbury. 
And I was told, I was like going down to uh, into Indianapolis and Sarge, this non-deployed Sergeant Major is like, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm just going down to uh, Indianapolis. I'm going to spend the weekend there because we're not, you know, demob until Monday. And he's like, no, you're not. It's 55 miles. It's outside of power, 61 miles, whatever it is. I was like, no, I'm really going. And he's like, well, you better take a buddy with you. And I was like, for nine months in Afghanistan, nobody was like, hey, this might be too risky. This is a bad idea. We're going to give you all the resources you possibly need to ensure your safety. And now in, Ap in Indianapolis, you're doubling down on. Well, on more people protection. get killed in Indianapolis than Afghanistan. So Right. Fair point. Now, now. Right? But, but seriously, and that was the thing. So I guess to look at it from a different angle, right? We can have meaningful service. And whether it's a board president of a drug and alcohol rehab or Honestly, like consistency at a soup kitchen. We don't have to cure cancer to have a meaningful existence. And if any, if the only thing I ever did that day in my life was pick up that JC wasn't having a good day, then that's a win for me. And I take that seriously. And if you could collect a bunch of wins like that, and it's not holding a door open for somebody, but we go through these communication things, right? Hey buddy, how you doing? doing great, living the dream, right? And we say these things back and forth and none of us are present and it's all in passing. And I'm not saying Buddy would be that guy that says that just- I would be. I would, okay. I would definitely be that guy. Right, right. so living the dream. Buddy expects everybody like, to be the undergrad of a school. It was, so. it was like, they, they say that, I'm just like, hey, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, my day's going, go. Yeah. But you're real yeah. and you're present when you say go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah true. Right. I know there's not, I know there's nothing wrong with Buddy when he tells me to go fuck myself. I'm like, he's good. Perfect. He's in the right place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he asked me, hey, you know, uh, Steve, I'm okay. Yeah. Oh. Steve, I wanted to rewind because you, you kind of you didn't strike a nerve, but like almost like a trigger. Rewind, I want to call huh? it a trigger in a in a in a in a good way, because you talk about, you know, missed opportunities and Nick threw it in right away because you know, missing a child's birth, like that gives me like one of the most is one of the biggest stressors in my PTS, you know, um, we were in Samara and then uh, we went to Barcuba for a little bit and we got in this big engagement. It was the first time that I, I shot somebody. You would think that that was no, the, Agrin the, shot him. catalyst. Agrin shot him, right? Yeah. It's yeah. an insider yeah. joke, but yeah. you would think that that would be the catalyst to starting everything. But then for months and, and still to this day, I deal with nightmares about a child growing up without a father because my son was born while I was deployed. We deployed, we got to Kuwait and then he was born. And I never even got to see my kid, you know, so that one right there, it's not the engagement, the firefight that caused the stress. It's actually, you know, I don't know. You just, you just triggered me there a little bit in a good way, in a good way. But that's yep. like a lot of my PTSD stems from that, you and know. What would have been the likely response? And I'm not trying to say anything about your leadership, but I've seen this before, right? And then somebody's like, oh, what's going on with him? Oh, he's having a tough time. What happened? Well, he had his kid born two weeks ago. Well, that's the business we're in. I didn't issue him his wife. All the fucking cliches, all the nonsense that does nothing but demoralize somebody and shred them, you know, the yeah. lack of acknowledgement. And those are the leadership failures. We can shoot, move, and communicate better than anybody. But who's the leader that can actually look at a guy and say, he's not doing all right, and why? And whether I think his shit's legitimate or not, we're going to support yeah. him. And I want to mm -hmm. say back to the leader. That's that's a good point you bring up. And I think we've transitioned and we've shifted a lot. Like Nick and I went back a year later to Iraq, and we had several in the platoon. I mean, Danny was one of them. They would keep soldiers back. 
for, you know, childbirth and everything. Back in 06, it was, you know, you have a battalion of 60 soldiers. You keep one back, you got to keep the other 60 back. And then you're in a leadership position already, team leader, squad leader. You know, you take him out of the fight. So back then it was a little different. They did send me home, what, three weeks in, Nick, or four weeks, like, in the deployment. Yeah, first one on leave. And then, yeah, and then I went right back, and then I was – and then we got extended, so I was there for an entire year full year and we didn't go to kuwait and do stuff there full year of combat and then i finally got home and then a year later we went back so you know the leadership i just think the military has transitioned so i don't want to we had amazing leadership back then but if they let one person stay back they would have had to let everybody else stay back you know so it's kind of a tricky situation what comes first then the mission or the people you know in my opinion the people the soldiers should come first but there was still a mission that needed to be made you know so yeah that's, that's a that's, that's a tricky a tough one. one. Probably a, a whole another that's a episode. Very tough one that we, yeah. we could talk about. At what point in time is it, it like? Because people first is a I, I think is a cliched statement that the DOD put out to just impress Congress. Um, you know, but it's like I would agree with that. You know, and if it's you like, take care of your people, they're going to take care of you. And, but then, yeah, but then, it's, but then it's again, all situational based. You think at Buddy's Buddy was going to rip on this one real quick? You could see it, yeah. but like you could, uh, you know, again, if our mission is to go and win wars. Right, if that's, gonna if that's our people. job, yeah, but it's going to cost people. A price for that. You take a, you take a leader. Yeah, I, I told you, I told you, it's going to be a. And now when we're in the we're in the height of the war in Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where you're getting the most in contact of any other periods of time, and it's like, oh, well, let's leave like fifty guys back. Yeah, no. But I want to make sure I, I want to combat make ineffective sure in a sense, right? That. Well, they weren't trained enough. Right. The next guy should have been able to step up, but like. Yeah. But what so I would say, if, there, if there's no if, if there's no next guy, because because so, But fat. sometimes empathy is enough, right? Sometimes a bit of compassion is enough. So life is brutal. Same thing. You're in the middle of a code in an emergency room, like whatever the case is. Sometimes you just got to take it hard, and it goes that way. But sometimes if that does happen, and you got a leader or a friend or whatever or a, an environment of compassion that is there for you and you know words like compassion empathy love for my time in the military most of it right if you told somebody to take some time for yourself do some breath work when you recover from a a a significant engagement you know what i mean Uh, express gratitude they tell you to go fuck yourself right but when we look at the science behind these things these practices are necessary to perform at your highest level to be a unit with the highest lethality possible you need to be in an environment of compassion and forgiveness and understanding because we know what the shredding of the individual does it's the crossfit everyday mentality you get them great for a short period of time but then you lose the institutional knowledge when they're burnt out left alcoholic suicidal whatever the case may be and you lose that so it's good business to be compassionate. And real quick, real quick, Larry in the chat says, uh, could that be the reason retention is so low in the military now because they're not taking care of our well, brothers I'm gonna, and sisters? I'm going to crush that Honestly, so Larry, I think, honestly, it, it's completely shifted. Like I brought up my situation in 06, and then, you know, we came back after 15-month deployment, went back a year later, Nick and I, and, you know, now they keep soldiers back, you know, to, to witness the, the birth of their child and everything, you know? So, like, I think we've completely shifted into a different direction. I think the military is a lot better. Coming up in the 82nd, like going to sick call, well, this, you're a shit bag. This, this you know, goes like, back to Steve's, was, you know, th- uh, and yeah. this goes back to JC's, uh, Steve's pre-show comment and then JC's soapbox about the the third, like the, what's your purpose right now? Like what's your purpose right now? Well, 
And Look, I think that goes like uh, JC will answer it, but I want to go back to what that uh, what Larry said in the chat. And I I do get triggered, so but I'm not going to become a pansy. I'm just going to get triggered, right? Like like get triggered. It's like, okay. I, I'm going to get triggered that I hate when they blame the army for something that that I perceive my construct is uh, a society problem, a societal problem, right? Mm -hmm. Suicide is a societal problem. Now, you want to know why suicide mm -hmm. was an army responsibility when I was in the army? Because I was a fucking leader in the army. So you're goddamn right. It was my responsibility. Yeah. Right. But it it, it wasn't the army's fault. Okay. Like, it's not the army. The retention for the army is, mm -hmm. I know Buddy wants to go on this bad, is that, like General Brunson said, our guy, you know, you know, and he could get a little hot water for it. But he's like, you know, he's like. Like, you know, maybe if society wasn't all on legal drugs and fat, we wouldn't have this problem either. You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, buddy, you okay. say anything all day. You're all right, right. Though, Nick. Yo, You're right. I've, been, I've been listening. I've been listening. A couple of things. First thing, like when, when we talk about the, you know, people first, then mission, if that was the case, if that was true, if the army actually believed this, then they wouldn't send you to charge up a hill and try to get, you know, take over a machine gun nest, right? Because because you know that people are going to die when you do that. Oh, that JC, eating said, this up. JC, eating this up. JC, it, you're next. Don't it, worry. You're next. Oh, hold on. JC's been eating up for the last two minutes. Said, I'm just going on mute. It's not, it's not that if, when you say that, people think, it's oh, it's either mission for first or people. It's not. And Dan Blakely's watching. You have to get the mission done in the best way possible for your people. You still have to get both. You have to care about the people. You have to get the mission done. You're not going to charge up a hill and try to take over a machine gun nest. You're not just going to go straight at it. You're going to try to flank it. You're going to throw smoke. You're going to do all of the things to give your people the best opportunity to survive. So it's not one or the other. You have to take care of both. That's the job. It's a system. Yeah. And, and like, okay, so, you know. When it comes to deployment, yeah, so specifically, buddy, yeah, which we, well, had, hey, we obviously you, transitioned, you, you know. You had to, you had to, you, you didn't get to be there for the birth of your, for your kids. Okay, that sucks, right? Like, they yeah. had other, they had to have people. Tomorrow was a wreck at the point. You know, people were getting shot. People were, you, know, you guys were getting in firefights all the time. They needed folks, right? Well, okay. You have to you have to miss the the birth of your kid. Okay, well then you know that doesn't mean that they can't set aside an MWR so that you can see your kid, so you can talk to people, so you can the do the Steve things that about. you need yeah. to do. Yeah. You can't you know, get pulled in by your leader and go, "Hey man, like you good? You get to talk to your kid today? Do you get to you know see the baby? Is there anything that we can do to help you out? Like we're gonna try to get you on leave. Hey." We got extended. We're going to try to get, like, yep. we're going to send it up and try to, just that little bit of, like, like Steve said, just that little bit of compassion, that little bit of understanding. 100%. Um, like, I'll tell you, like, when. And I'm not, and, and buddy, real bad. quick, I'm not bashing our leadership for what happened at all. No, like, I, I love I'm our not We had some of the best leaders, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's just, it was one of those triggers that, like, affects yeah. me, you know. Yeah. I wasn't there, oh, you know, but, took you somebody's know, life, and now I'm, you know. Well, that's yeah. the other thing. You 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 don't know what you don't know, right? Like uh, when I was right. a, a when I when I was a team sergeant, I uh, had a guy that got divorced, right? That's, spe that's special and, forces. Uh, to be uh, to be perfectly honest, his wife was a dirty fucking whore. 
non-negative shit. He caught her cheating on him six, seven times. Like, oh, you've talked about this guy. Things. He yeah. got divorced yeah. or divorced, and uh, and I just I was like, hey, okay, cool. Like, you should have left her a long time ago. This is like whatever, not a big deal. Like, just deal with it. Well, fast forward a little bit, about a year, I get divorced for a lot of the same reasons. And I realized, I was like, ah, I did that. I, I fucked that up. I had to call him in the office. And I was like, hey, man, like, you're right. Like, we, you know, it doesn't matter what she did. You were still going through something. And I should have still done a better job. I'm sorry I didn't do it. You know, I didn't do the job that you needed me to do. I mean, we're best friends at this point. But at the end of the day, like, you don't know every experience that you are going to have to go through. You don't exactly know how to deal with it. Um, and I think that, you know, Steve's right. When, if you, if you just go to a foundation of how would you want somebody to deal with it? If it was you, you it kind of helps you, you know, get to that point where you can help other people out. The, uh, the other thing is like, you know, when we talked about uh, like post-traumatic stress and all that stuff, um, and we talked about the stress of missing birthdays and missing holidays and, you know, and how the, the combat is not the worst part. It's part of it. But, you know, the, the worst part is the guilt that you feel or feel about, you know, I wasn't the, the best dad or the best husband or the best this. And I, the, the fact that I chose the military and the guys over staying home with my wife and kids uh, is the reason I'm in, you know, the position I'm in now. And it's all my fault. You know, when you're training, just prioritize you, it, man. We yeah, just prioritize well, like you said, it. Yeah. When you're, when you, when you walk up, JC's on, still waiting. <laughs> when you see on a, ahead, well, I, I like this tactic, but he's doing yeah. a, He learned this in one of his schools. He was qualified. And he's yeah. like, if I just keep talking, JC will forget yeah. what his counter was. Oh, yeah. I thought you were about to say like when, MRT uh, or something, but he's, he's like, where's the, the moderator? This? I think that's <laughs> yeah, me. I think I'm the moderator. When you go Let's up get to the point, buddy. I'm trying to do George. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Here goes a dumpster fire. <laughs> hey, I'm not one yet today. When that's the logo. Up, that's the logo. Up, All right. You go up to a uh, <laughs> when you go up to somebody that's got no legs, but you've seen people that have wounds before. It's not going to affect you. When you like, when you practice it, you know, in training. If you're out at a mount site, they've got moolah kits. It, it desensitizes you and inoculates you to, to seeing that stuff. But what you, we don't you ever you track, copied Steve's word. We, I did. Well, I'm yeah. just gonna go because you can't spell it. Inoculate, so you can't use it. He hit inoculated earlier. Steve but, can spell it. He went to Yale. Yeah, the real one, not yeah. that fake one you go yeah, to. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, presidency program. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, not liberal arts. The thing is, it, we don't train at all for any of those other things. Really, yeah. you have to experience them to get the training for them. And then once you've experienced them, then you can help other people. That, that doesn't really help you in, in what you've dealt with. You know what I mean? So we're like a wealth of knowledge for all the younger guys coming up. But then we don't really want to say anything because we don't want to look like we're weaker or, you know, that we have problems. We just say, suck it up, dude. I had to go through the same thing. Quit being a bitch. So anyway, Casey, tear it up. What did you say? No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, not going to tear it up. I'm going to. I'm going to start with saying this is. I. I, I got to go have dinner with my wife because that's where I need to be. That's my purpose right now. But right. I'm gonna tell you, here's my thought. Here's my thought. You're already. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's six o'clock by him. I know. I'm in Arizona, JC. I'm in Arizona. Uh, it's still early over here. You know. Where in Arizona? Where Phoenix. In Arizona? Oh, I need to link you up with my folks. 
Uh, yeah, I'm right outside yeah, of Phoenix. I'm in uh, Surprise, Arizona, about 30 minutes outside of Phoenix. Yeah, they live in they live in Cape Creek. They got a ranch out in Cape Creek. Yeah, I know where Cape Creek's at. Yeah, beautiful area. So, so look, I I I don't disagree with what Buddy said. We got to experience it, and I certainly experienced it. I don't think, but what I'm going to disagree with Buddy is, I don't think you got to do both uh, as a leader. I think that what you got to do as a leader is you got to take care of your people. And if you take care of your people, the mission piece will happen. Okay. And I said that earlier. Yeah. And I believe I believe that my number one job as as a leader is not the mission. It's to empower my people that they can do any mission in the world. And I'll tell you, if you if you lead the right way, the mission and command, you, yep. and you put them first, and you put them above everything else. And I've seen it because I've had great leaders who did it, right? I mean, McChrystal was was great at it. He put Rangers first. And that way, there wasn't anything we would – he didn't have to ask. Like, think about it. We've never asked the dude to charge up the hill. The dude charges up the hill because he feels like his, his leaders – you know, he trusts his leaders. He or she trusts their leaders. And they believe that they're being taken care of. And that's why – charge up that hill it's not uh, being told to i mean they it. charge up the hill because if they don't charge up the hill somebody's going to kill one of their buddies right so so in my mind it's it's about if i think you know and this isn't in my mind this isn't a chicken or the egg one does come first it's i take care of my people and i i'll tell you what i, I miss the birth of my daughter as well and not for something as as important as war but so i can compete in the best ranger competition i was a piece of shit for doing that Okay, and what's what a good leader should have done is told me, and I and I loved my leaders. I had good leaders, but we hadn't experienced combat, so I get it. Like they didn't know what they should have done is said, "Yeah, you're not going. Your wife's due. You're you're staying here." That's what they should have done. Just like I had to tell, I had to order dudes home. Wife got in an accident. Kid had a problem. Hey, you're going home, sir. I don't want to go home. Yeah, I don't care. You're going home. Like, I got it. Because sometimes that's what good leaders do is they recognize, like, I got it. I, I'm one guy down. Maybe I'm two guys down. Shit, maybe I'm five guys down. But you know what? The war ends. The Whatever we're doing in that moment ends. And what I don't want is is in, you know, 20 years when that kid, like, the kid's like, yeah, you weren't there for this or you didn't do this. They already sign up for a bunch of that stuff. So, I'm a guy who absolutely believes it is people over everything. Uh, now, I'm not so far as to say the Army's gotten better. I think leaders have gotten better, and that's who is the Army. But there's still a lot of leaders, and Nick and I have come across them even recently where, you know, uh, we're not going to have a suicide problem. How the heck do you know that, dude? Like, holy no, crap. Yeah, I like that. I like that response. Yeah. Yeah. We're, too, we're too senior for suicide yeah. prevention training. Yeah, so, you guys are crushing it. Yeah, that, so, that's just a bunch of fucking yeah. So, Go so ahead, JC. In, in my in my world in my mind, and I've learned this from screwing it up for a long time, and it did screw it up. Like, if there's anybody listening who served with me as like a, a, a new company commander, they'll be like, "The guy was a jerk. He made me go to the field." Went, I was. I I didn't know any better. I, I was dumb. But I got to a point now, and I tell this to professional coaches I tell this to college coaches I tell this to CEOs your job as a leader is to tell guys yeah I know you want to be here you need to go home 
This is what you need to do right now. We got this. And here's the other thing is if you put people first, somebody's going to step up and fill that hole. Like they're, they're absolutely going to do it. So, right. You know, but we're, we're, we're guilty of it. And this can go into like the, the, the AAR because you got to go to dinner. But, uh, yeah. you know, we're guilty of it. I mean, I shouldn't say we are. I know I am. And I, because I kind of just did it earlier is, you know, you just talked about things in a system. Like, like we always talk about this, a complex system, right? Yeah. As opposed to the, as opposed to Steve's the. Steve's ready. Steve, Steve, yeah. Steve. Okay. As, as opposed to the linear. Hey, hey, the reason why the army retention is low is because of this. There's, there's lots of reasons why. Yeah. There's lots of reasons why. There's, there's, and, yeah. That's... And, 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 and taking care of soldiers, like I said, and this is why I've been I've been arguing with WTF moments a lot in the past couple of weeks. And I you know I love my I love Spanky and I love Kaz. I love all what up, guys. Ice? You know, yeah. that, like like you know, we have a good relationship with them, but it's like I, I do get mad at some of the moderators on that page when they're like they'll post a link like that. Like, and it's like, you think that's the fucking reason? Right? Like you just hurt the army with that post. Right? Because that's that one freaking platoon. That's yeah. not the army. That's and, that's and that's one thing where that leader made a mistake. And who knows? Maybe the complaint, maybe that soldier made a complaint and that platoon sergeant or PL was yeah. is in an office. But Nick, get, Nick, get, get, WTF, no, real quick, no, WTF no, no, is no, no, pretty no. good about screening the fucking shit that comes through. Well, they should I get mean, fucking I better you, at it in the last fucking month. I know you were on half, WTF too, so, so maybe it's yeah, like a personal yeah, thing. Exactly. <laughs> So no, I, I actually I, I actually feel like they're it. pretty good about it, and I, they do I, like expose love, some bullshit. I, you know, I, I love all you guys. I, yeah. You guys are awesome. Thank you for you having gotta me. Go. Your purpose, but yeah. I, but, right, I love, but, but I love my wife more. All right, Chris, get ready for this. About about as you leave. should, JC. As you should, you can talk, talk, talk lots of shit. I'll talk to y'all later. Deuces, homie. Deuces later. No, like I, no, but you're right, Nick. But I think, but that's why that's why I prefaced my statement saying recently. I said recently. I have been getting after WTF because it's like, you don't think that that post right there hurts army retention? When now all the people that go on WTF moments who have not joined the army yet, and now they think because you posted some story about some team. Ah, uh, that's good, the norm. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. Let's just be logical about army retention. I got nothing against the organization of WTF moments. I'm just saying. I see what you're saying, Nick. They're starting to just make a linear statement about a complex organization. Bigger picture. Yeah, 100%. You're right. I mean, over a million followers. So. You know, yeah. like What's that, why, buddy? why do you think why do you think army retention would be low right now? There's a lot of factors like uh, economic, like I mean, I'm in recruiting economic, and I'm not gonna touch that economic, too much. Corporations you know, came and hire people right now. Like, dude, exactly. McDonald's yeah. they're getting yeah. fucking bonuses, but also the bonuses that, that fucking you know, and then COVID yeah. kicked off and like our whole economy yeah. is like I got a good hundred percent. Go ahead, what's go ahead. Stop? Wait, we got our our guest wants to talk. I got a piece of it. Um so one of the interesting things that we look for, right? So there's two different levels we got to look at these things, right? We have this huge institution, the military, and there are people that work for that on the side like I do in a hospital-based setting to decrease the stress and friction in the environment, okay? And maybe, just maybe, you can move the needle slightly in a positive direction. But on an individual basis, you could move the needle tremendously. And I think people look at the suicide issue or post-traumatic stress issue as 
something they're going to fix institutionally. Don't hold your breath. It's not going to happen. It comes from empowering individuals with the tools and the knowledge to offset it and to cope with it. And that's where they come up short. All right. So mm -hmm. when you have leaders, like what's a leader look like? Well, you have a leader that talks about shit like I got a great night's sleep and I didn't drink and get shit faced on a Friday night. And I didn't say anybody could do this sober to anybody. Right. When we start high fiving people for getting a decent night rest, properly supporting their hydration and nutrition and showing up ready to train instead of showing up in this sort of shredded catabolic state. And when we see people taking care of themselves. Oh, shit. Showing, that was our fucking 80 second day. Me. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah, 90s, yeah. 90s, anybody, you know, oh, I did my. No, but it's, it, drunk. I like where you're going. You're, you're 11 you're... minute, two miles in count if you weren't at a 0.02, like yeah. when you were running. Yeah. Yeah. Nick like, was like yeah. the fastest, probably the fastest right. two miler in our platoon. Yeah. And that's yeah. a high five, right? Was, You'd be like, but, oh, but I also got drunk the night before. this shit hung over. I about to say that. Right. Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. No problem. I apologize if I'm rambling. But so. you're good. It's the dumpster fire. I think what happens is we need to start leaning into this space where it's like, the suicide's actually on you, right? The la if, if if you are preparing yourself to deal with the stressful environment, if you're initiating self-care, if you're not looking to substances to inoculate or anesthetize yourself to the difficulties of your lives, if you're seeking help early, that's how we fix the suicide piece. So it's a little bit of tougher love than most people talk in this space. But people don't kill themselves, like you said, for one reason, where they experienced something in combat and that was it, they couldn't take it. There is a litany of things from insomnia, from alcohol and drug abuse. From, Tinnitus is when I want to blow my brains off. Right? It's like, holy shit. <laughs> from like, steroids to travel to relationships to all of it. All of these things yeah, yeah. go into this collective pot. So I think people need to start showing at a leadership level that element of self-care and supporting this down regulation in your world instead of this high intensity, high performance, high operational tempo world, just supporting bringing it down or the individual's ability to bring it down. Now, as far as why we have a retention and recruitment problem, a, a big part of it is the pool, okay? Destruction of children's sports, societal problem, okay? These mm. people have osteoporotic, I'm not speaking on the terms of HSS, there's a, comp, uh, a not profit. Osteoporotic. Company. Okay. Yeah, like they're, yeah, he could probably spell it. We normally, normally, Steve, we yeah. don't use words on the show. We can't I would have, I would have said that spell it, but weak I didn't. Boat. I, yeah. Yeah. Weak boats, right? Yeah, they got buddy, weak buddy boat. needs to spell the word he used, yeah. but he, we won't get back. He's to writing it. it down right Probably now. For his yeah. <laughs> yeah, so their, so their bodies are weak. Their structure is weak. They're prone to injury. They have uh, felonies or domestic violence issues. They have tattoos that won't let them into the service. So the the pool of potential recruits now is so shrunk down let alone stupid shit that they post on social media that might disqualify them from service or a million other things or disqualify them for adulthood, right? So there's a million things going on. Now they have a very limited pool of individuals to pull from, right? And then you have to just say like, well, does this limited pool even want to serve? And that's the military's problem, right? That's the piece that needs to be addressed. Are, are there benefits enough? Are there rewards? Is there skills that are, you know, do, do they help them transition? Because every guy that leaves the military jaded is more powerful than any recruiter can offset. When you right. got a guy that gets or, out or a jaded Facebook page. Oh, terrible, right? And people just are out there just badmouthing the institution. Listen, I had great leadership. I've gotten more than I ever put into it. I'm grateful for every day of it. Um, but that's not the sentiment that a lot of people hear.
you know. Yeah, maybe we'll have to bring Spaggy and Ice back on here and talk about that. We do. Yeah, talk, we do. Talk, you know, talk, talk about Nick, like, no, like, like the more I think about what you brought up is is hundred percent. But then, like, I I look back too, where we got into this realm of social media, you know, and things of that nature and all that. Like things change after that anyway. And then a lot of the bad shit or fucked up shit that was going on was brought to light through WTF, right? You know, and it was screened and like some bad dude. They, I mean. I don't know the highest rate. I think generals have been fired over WTF, right? Or at least, you know, like people have been Investigation started for sure, yeah. Investigation started and a lot of shit was fixed. Whether we agree with it or not that we're now in this social media realm, but but you do, you brought up a great point, Nick, where now it's like everybody that's watching this because we have over a million followers on the, you know, WTF or WTF has that and people that are just seeing it for the first time are like, well, that's how the military is in general. So, yeah, we are, we are, but... It's uh, that's a tricky one. We should bring them back on, Spanky and Ice. If you're watching, Tom, time to go. Let's yeah, do this again for sure. But uh, so you know, buddy, are you gonna handle the AR? Because I was on the script, but Dave thinks you're doing it. My, uh, no, no, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Because he was just taking notes. He's working on his uh college yeah, I mean, assignment. You, you need to talk about your college uh, experience, buddy. Like, where, but hey, hey, St- Steve, hey, awesome, yeah, well, awesome I, having. I, I don't even want to talk about the college experience, and I, and I honestly think that part of that college experience and and dealing with the uh, the nineteen twenty year olds goes back to what we're talking about, like kind of the retention thing. I would argue that the retention thing is that what war? What war are they going to go fight? It's harder to recruit during a peacetime during peacetime than it is during wartime because the people that want to join the military want to join the army. Remember when you joined the army? Did you think that you were going to come get your butt touched and, and, and told that you were fucking awesome all the time? Or did you think you were going to get your, your dick knocked in the dirt and have to do hard stuff and go You're out? Spot and, on, brother. Like You know what I mean? And then they get there. You're spot and, on. And, 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 you know, there's no... There's no turning. To well, we've been at war for the last twenty years, you know. Right. So, I mean, you not. joined in the ninety, buddy. You joined like in yeah. ninety-five or something, you know, because you're like an ancient guy. Not a huge deal. So, what co- what war were we in? Ninety-eight. I don't like nothing crazy uh, going my on. Deployment. Well, we still had Bosnia, we Bosnia we still Yugoslavia. Had, I was still living in Germany. To, uh, I just wanted to put that uh, out there, buddy. The yeah, but, uh, right yeah. after Kosovo, Cape Town doesn't exist. Egypt, and then and then. Uh, I mean, honestly, the global war on terror kicked off pretty soon after yeah. I joined. It wasn't that long, but the difference was that in from '98 till 2001, you know, you talk about missing, uh, you know, your child's birth because you were on deployment. So, if you were on an NTC or, or not an NTC, but an intensive training cycle for six weeks in the 82nd, you didn't get out of that because you had a baby being born. You didn't. You didn't get again. Let me make it clear. I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying that was one of my triggers to my nightmares. Shut the fuck up. I know. I'm just saying. Dumpster fire. You didn't get out. You created it. You started that one, dude. But but you but but what I'm saying is we also trained relatively hard. We also trained in in relatively very similar to warlike conditions. We were tired. We were. We were moving all day. We were going to you know mount sites. We were shooting at people. We had moulage kits. We're doing all this other stuff. But you know, you turn that dial of stress a little bit at a time, and then you turn it back down, and you turn it back up a little bit. You turn it back down. It's kind of like 
you know, we talked about going to run a marathon. You can't just, I'm going to go run a marathon and run out the next day and go run a marathon and think that when you're done running that marathon, you're going to be physically and mentally in great shape. You have to train for it in a in a, in, in a responsible way, and then you can run. Yeah. The first guy that ran a marathon was dead at the end because he just decided that I'm going to go run this uh, run this run the marathon. So you think twenty twenty six point two was where he finally died, and then they just called uh, it the marathon? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is you you have to you have to slowly increase stress so that people know how to deal with it when stressful moments happen. And we don't really do that very well in the military anymore. And, and why we don't do that, we, and we also, while we have decreased the amount of stress we expect people to handle, we've increased the amount of excuses we allow them to give <laughs> to get out of whatever. Like, oh, you know, I just don't, uh, I don't physically feel like, and then, like I said, we're talking about that, the college. Oh, thing, we could right? go on yeah. Hold for on. hours. You're talking about the college thing. Like I right? said, this is a whole other show. Up. We could we could always yeah. bring Steve on for a whole other yeah. show about retention. Like, where's the happy uh, so. buddy? Where's the happy medium? You know? Well, exactly. Like, well, when does top that? When does top? Hey, when does top down and bottom up meet? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, when does it meet? Yeah. Right. Well, there's got to be a point again, where it meets. Back to you know Steve talking about the pool coming into the military. I went to a literature class the other day. Oh. And we're talking about a fictional story. This is a fiction story. Fancy in this story. I take a sip of this. In this, in this story, the that's not the recruiting the command, story, by the way. The, the protagonist of the story commits suicide. Before talking about that portion of this fictional story, the doctor in the class says, Hey, if anybody is triggered by suicide and they and it's a hard topic and they can't do it, you can go outside and you don't have to be. We give them an excuse to get out, whether they are or not triggered. By by suicide, you give me an excuse to leave. You're you're a fucking adult at this point. Having hard conversations is part of being an adult. Talking about suicide is not easy. Talking about people that you know that have committed suicide is not easy. Because it's not easy doesn't mean you don't do it. It means that you figure out how to do it so that you can understand what happened and understand the phenomena of killing yourself or rape or murder or any of these other hard topics that adults are supposed to happen or that are supposed to have. But we coddle people all the way up now. Now they're 25 and 30 years old and we don't understand why they're not you know, functioning members of society and they can't and they get triggered and they need safe spaces and they need this and they need that and they feel entitled. Well, they feel entitled because we've entitled them their entire life. We've coddled them from the truth of life. And then they join the army and they're like, well, I don't understand why the drill sergeant just doesn't, he doesn't understand that I can't be here today because my mom's birthday is, is next week and I need to go and go buy her a present. It's not a thing. Yeah. At some point, you have to, it's relative. <laughs> As the yeah, 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 people yeah. out of things for excuse after excuse after excuse, <laughs> then you have to let everybody out for every fucking minute fucking, <laughs> but look, I have an in toe. I can't go out. 
I'm, I'm, I'm glad this show went long enough for me to drink enough bourbon to not do any homework when I'm done. Well, I'm, I'm be, be, it'll, it'll, I, it'll, yeah. I have a whole half of No, this is good. I think we could do an entire it'll, episode it'll, on this, man. Yeah, we, we could yeah. probably go on for hours on, on this it, one. Yeah. This would be great. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great. But again, uh, let's get uh, let's get back to the AAR. Uh, and, well, yeah, Carrie's on the thread. That's right. Society. Steve, I think, was chopping at the bits. He wanted to say one more thing. No, good? No, man, I'm good. I was just, I just want to point out, like, you know, in what I was trying to convey, I certainly don't condone light excuses for not training or, yeah. you know, general complaining. And I always caution people, be careful what you it's make. Philosophy. Them. Yeah. yeah. It, there's a balance in what you're going to do. And when you have to do, I guess here's the nutshell. When you're going to do really complex, difficult things, at least make room for what the soldier or warrior feels at the time Ooh. or as a result of it. And if you can't do that, you probably shouldn't lead, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you can't make room for like, wow, that sucks, that's hard, I'm with you, it wouldn't matter to me, but I get that it matters to you. If you can't do that, right now, if somebody's missing a birthday, uh, it's a birthday. If someone's missing yeah, the yeah. birth of your child, different ball mm -hmm. game. So I'll, I know you need to wrap up the show, so I'll pause there, but I, I hear I, we're, we're aligned in what you're saying completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'll I'll end it with this uh, as far as before I turn it over to Dave for the the actual closeout and the AR again is on veteran trash talk. We started it two years ago. It's our hundredth episode. We started this to share our own opinions, our own wisdom. Right? We we wanted during to share COVID. during COVID. Wanted, during COVID, we wanted to share our we we saw a problem like that we could we could immediately address, which was getting people on social media and talking. Right. So yeah. we, we were able to do that now that COVID's kind of over, people are getting out and, and hanging out more. Uh, it still doesn't change the mission. It just changes the way we handle it. But uh, I said this to the lady in our in our good uh, argument at Logan's Roadhouse on Skybo on Wednesday with JC uh, is, you know, I said I, I said something about how it's it's actually OK to respect everybody's opinion. All right. It's actually OK. And it's actually okay by respecting someone's opinion, but not commenting because that opinion's fucking retarded, right? Like when when somebody's retarded and something, you just gotta go, you okay, you know, and like 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 whatever. Sometimes so, just let it go. Right, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying. So so JC, no, then you're making it about party. yourself. Well, you know? JC yeah. brought the nerd into it. He broke down the word philosophy, you know, mm -hmm. and he's like, "Phila is love," and then you know the other part of the Latin thing is wisdom. So like you love wisdom. So when you get in a philosophical debate, which means that you don't, it's just your opinion, right? That you should love the other person's wisdom as much as your own, right? And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And what we talked about today, uh, which was great, uh, Steve, for having you on, was just the fact that being resilient, understanding your triggers, all the things that we just, we do ourselves and we want and we want to get over it. But uh, before, uh, before Dave uh, gives the last word, we have to end on my on my end a little bit, at least in a little bit of a sad note. I know uh, Dave has been with my friend Grant before. Uh, nobody else has. He lost his dad uh, on Thursday. And uh, he was a Spec 5 uh, during the Vietnam days, back when they had Spec 5. And he told me the greatest story about, you know, what Pogues will always tell you was he was too smart to be infantry. He said, I got drafted. I took a test. And they said, oh, you're you got to go to Intel. Right. So this is back in the, you know, in the sixties. And uh, when I got married, uh, he came up to me and he shook my hand and he gave me 500 bucks. 
And I got I got married as an E5. And he said, he goes, uh, he's like, I remember what it was like to be at E5. I'm like, I'm sure this will help. You know, and he shook my hand that way. And uh, he was my coach in baseball. He was a good friend. So stick around after the show for about five seconds. We'll put a picture of him up and uh, it'll be good. But uh, hearts with you, Grant. And Doug. Doug's a colonel at the Air Force Academy. Uh, so, hey, cheers uh, cheers to you guys. We're thinking about you. I love you. So, Dave, go ahead. Hey, this was an amazing show. I really like this. Um, we could definitely do this uh, whole leadership and what, you know, what our complaints are. And are we complaining too much to soldiers and uh, retention and stuff? Let's wait until I'm completely retired or or you and, you and Buddy can just do that show. But give me until June 1st, all right? I'll, I'll be out next year. But uh, Steve, hey, phenomenal show. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and, and, and just some of the things you talked about, your own struggles as well. I know it probably saved somebody's life today because that's, you know, a lot of people are going to watch this and, uh, you know, they might be going through them, those struggles themselves. And they're like, oh, shit, this is a different outlook on things, you know. So really appreciate you coming on. We'll have you on again. We'll stay connected. Any any updates, anything that you're doing, like, just let us know. We'll post it on the page. We'll throw it out to our community. Um, if you just tuned in, make sure you go to BetterInTrashTalk.com. has all the links to our Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, whatever else we're on. Go check out gruntworksclothing.com. We got some awesome merch. Today I'm wearing Fuck the- around uh, and find out, Bear. Fuck around and find out, Bear. One of our awesome tees, all right? Sells like crazy. And then Nick's wearing the Quit Being a Trigger pansy. And Buddy's wearing a Gruntworks shirt, too, because I saw the logo on his shoulder. Oh, oh. oh. I, I, buddy, you got to say something about the shirt. Let's all be a, What does it all say, Americans. Buddy? Like, show it. You're all Americans. You're all Americans. Act like it. It means having a anyhow. Thanks everybody for tuning in. This was an amazing episode, and we'll catch you guys next Saturday. Love y'all, Faceman VTTL.